What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Jack MacArthur, alongside my friend Jeremy, and you're listening to the Next Man Up podcast, the third episode of it. Okay, we're going to start off by talking about some, with some MLB news, we're going to give you an MLB update, standings update. Let's get into it, Jeremy. All right, to start off, we're going to talk about the AL, the division leader in the AL East is Tampa Bay. They also have the best record in the AL, followed by Houston who is the leader in the AL West, and the Chicago White Sox, who are the leader in the AL Central. Leading the wild card race is the Oakland A's, followed by the Boston, the Boston Red Sox. And you have the New York Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays, both a couple games back. Now, in the NL leading all NL teams in the entire major league with 75 wins as of the date today, which is the 14th of August. You have the San Francisco Giants, who are the leaders in the NL West, followed by Milwaukee, who is the leader in the NL Central. And then you have a tie for first place in the NL East between the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies. And in the wild card with 70 wins, 70 wins, which is tied for second among NL teams in the win column. You have the LA Dodgers, and the last wildcard spot in the NL currently is the San Diego Padres, but the Cincinnati Reds are closing in as they're two and a half games out currently. All right, now that we got that off our chest, we're going to go right into some college football news. Now is pretty big news recently when it comes to college football. Um, not just a couple days ago, they're reporting that the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 are starting an alliance. Uh, this was reported by The Athletic in scheduling for football and other cooperations that we're not really sure of currently. But that's kind of the situation we're in right now with that, which is going to be interesting. Um, this is kind of obviously the move by these conferences after what the SEC did by adding Oklahoma and Texas. Now, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I was going to say interesting move. I mean, obviously seeing Oklahoma and Texas leave, but you know what? Nowadays, teams just want to make money. Yep. Now we're going to get into some juicy, juicy stuff uh, with Arizona State. Um, this news broke about uh, in June that Arizona State was having recruits uh, on campus for the dead period, the COVID dead period. Um, but recently, two more assistant coaches were put on administrative leave. Uh, that up the total to three. The two coaches are receivers coach Prentice Gill and their DBs coach Chris Hawkins. Um, now you might be like, what's a dead period? Dead period is no contact from coaches to athletes. You know, coaches, I mean, players can visit campus. They're not allowed to have any contact with the football program, whatever. Um, as you do not follow those rules. Um, and people on the West coast, you know, who follow kind of closely into the recruiting circle, you know, there's a reputation at ASU that they're a little bit dirty of a recruiting program. Um, most recently in that class, uh, class of 2021, I believe, they were pulling offers from kids. Um, and you don't do that. You don't do that. Uh, 
the smart way to recruit and how you're kind of told to recruit at the college level is you don't let someone commit unless you plan on keeping them aboard. Um, it's kind of dirty to just let kids commit and then pull their offers later. Uh, but despite the cheating uh, that ASU decided to do, they only finished with the 52nd ranked class, uh, which was also 8th in the Pac-12. Um, it was a smaller class, which is why the ranking was down, but uh, because they decided to go heavy in the transfer portal. But it still lacked quality, so it didn't have a lot of quantity, and it didn't have the highest quality. So kind of interesting that ASU could ASU could get some pretty strict uh, stuff happen. Like they could get in some big trouble with this, uh, and they didn't really do much to show for it, which is a little bit ironic. Yeah, I mean, that's stupid. You got teams cheating all the time, man, but, I mean, I haven't seen this in a while. It's college cheating with recruiting and stuff, but that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I noticed when the news first broke, people were like, whatever, they didn't really care because they're like, oh, there shouldn't have even been a dead period because of COVID. Um, but the thing is, right, is – Whatever you think about COVID, you know, dead period, that whole thing, you can't recruit during a dead period like that. And it's not because you think the dead period or whatever, that particular dead period was not like you didn't agree with that. But the thing is, when other coaches around the country are following that and they're following the NCAA rules and they have programs breaking the rules, that directly affects every single program in the country because if a player can't visit all the other schools that he's thinking about but he can visit but he went and visited arizona state got to meet with the coaches on campus got to kind of take a tour of the facilities in person that kind of gives you a leg up in recruiting um so it doesn't it shouldn't matter what the dead period was in place for it's the fact that they recruited during the dead period and you can't you can't support that decision um because the truth of the matter is it's like why why should they get an advantage over other teams like because it's unfair exactly exactly it's unfair it's completely unfair and it's kind of unethical that they brought in a bunch of kids you know, to campus during the pandemic. And if you remember, ASU had a pretty big outbreak of uh, COVID that made them cancel three games last season, three of their five or six that were scheduled. So this whole thing was just a mess. Um, and there was really no point in them even trying to do it. Um, I don't know why they did it, I don't know what the reason behind doing it was. Uh, maybe they felt like they needed it to recruit. Um, but you saw teams, despite the dead period, be extremely successful in recruiting. You know, Ohio State, Alabama, Oregon, Texas, you know, the big time programs, you know, they did well recruiting through the COVID dead period, but some teams kind of faltered a bit um and i could see the frustration among coaches 
when this whole thing broke, you know, around the country, because they played by the rules and ASU didn't, and they didn't think that was fair. Whereas a lot of the fan reaction or the reaction among uh, just college football people, people in the college football uh, world that weren't coaches or really media, they kind of just didn't bat an eye at it because they just could care less. Um, but this this isn't something we can allow to happen, you know, because even if it's not a COVID year, there's still dead periods. Imagine you're still having kids during the dead period. Every other team has fallen the rules. Despite, it's There's dead periods throughout the year. Um, so... I just don't understand people saying that it's fine. It's not fine. It is extreme. It's extremely uh, advantageous towards that program uh, to do that. And the point of college recruiting is you kind of want it to be fair. Um, it's not necessarily fair because some schools can offer more when it comes to an athlete, especially with NIL coming out. But it's not you can't you can't have people breaking the rules like that and not expect them to punish them. And I hope the NCAA comes down and cracks down and punishes them because it's the only right and fair thing to do, especially to the teams on the West Coast who are probably recruiting against ASU for some of the kids that they let on campus. Facts. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really. Um seeing college cheating or college football cheating with recruiting that's really that's really messed up and interesting because you know the last time i really noticed big cheating is you know when tom brady was cheating with the the flay gate and then you got the astros and all that stuff so so obviously their ncaa is, NCAA is going to crack down on this well, the biggest cheating scandal, I think, recently would probably have been the FBI probe into college basketball and paying players. That was huge um, a couple of years ago. Um, especially, it was so big. It's like, I mean, people probably suspected that it was happening, but the fact that the FBI was involved was a bit shocking. Um, that's probably the biggest scandal I could think of recently when it comes to that. Uh, moving yeah. away from college football and recruiting scandals we're going to move into nfl uh the nfl preseason uh has already started games going on currently you know there was some camp rumblings um we'll see how everything turns out but i want to point out some rookie standouts from camp real quick so you got javon holland who was a second round pick out of oregon he was impressive during the uh has been impressive, uh, according to the Dolphins media. Getting, uh, he got a lot of interceptions, um, and just being smart. You know, making good-headed plays like attacking ball carriers in the hole, um, playing his assignment, that kind of thing. Just good football. You had Trey Lance. Uh, a lot of the media is hyping him up. A lot of the 49ers media. Um, he was the first-round pick out of North Dakota State. Kind of a lot of question marks coming from him because he came from a lower level. They're wondering if he's going to live up to that high of a draft pick. Um, but it sounds like he's been kind of outplaying Jimmy Garoppolo in camp so far. 
Um, then you have yes. Sam Ellinger. He's a six rounder out of Texas. He's outplayed Jacob Eason, the uh, second year player out of Washington. Uh, and with the absence of Carson Wentz for the time being, he could be slotted in as a starter for the time being. Um, we have heard that the Colts do not want to rush Carson Wentz back, but there is a chance he could play week one, but they don't want him to play until he is 100%. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a hot take, but as I mentioned previously, I could see Nick Foles. I mean, Nick Foles, if he really wants to leave the Bears, he could potentially overtake Wentz. But the problem is Nick Foles on the Bears is already behind Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, and he wants another opportunity. I mean, And, I mean, with Wentz out, uh, you could see Foles signing with the Colts, and he could be fighting to be that starter with Wentz out. But we'll see what happens. And also with Trey Lance, Trey Lance is obviously he has a lot of potential, but he could also be like a boomer bust kind of guy, like Zach Wilson. So I'm I'm excited to see how Trey Lance does. But I do see Garoppolo starting Week One because of just Garoppolo's more of a vet and he knows the playbook way better. And Lance is still really young. Yeah. Um. Another rookie. Nico Collins. He was a third-round pick out of, from Michigan. I really like Nico Collins, especially in college. Uh, he's like 6'4", 215. He's super physical. He's fast for his size, so he's a good deep threat, and he wins jump balls. Um, and he's could crack the starting lineup, and he's definitely going to be in the rotation in Houston. Um, if you're into fantasy football, which some of you m- most likely are, he could be a very sneaky late round pickup uh, because as of right now, we don't know what the issue is. Deshaun Watson will play or not, or what's going to be the deal with that. We do know he's at camp because he's going to miss out on pay if he's not at camp. Um, But if you have Deshaun Watson there playing, I think he could actually be a decent pick later. Um, when you kind of have less uh, suitable options. Uh, this is fantasy football, obviously. But for your non-fantasy football people, uh, Nico Collins, he's probably going to get some playing time, 100%. He's going to play. Um, if he can crack the starting rotation, I think he could be, in the future, a pretty good receiving option for the Texans. Um depending on what the Texans do. We don't know really what the Texans are going to do. You know, they had a franchise uh, receiver in DeAndre Hopkins and they ended up trading him. So who knows what's going to happen in a couple of years. Nico Collins could bust. Nico Collins could be really good and stay with the Texans or he could be really good and traded or he could just not, he could get franchise tagged. Who knows what's going to happen. But I really, I'm very high on him. As a third round pick, I think he's going to be solid because he just has that tools. He has the tools to be really good, and he has the physical attributes to be really good. Yeah, we'll see how he does. All right, well, let's jump into some big soccer news. I know you're not a big soccer dude, Jeremy, but uh, one of the best players of all time, the six-time Ballon d'Or winner Lionel Messi, has recently signed with Paris Saint-Germain. So PSG are now automatically Champions League frontrunners with a deadly attacking trio of Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe. And they also have Di Maria, Sergio Ramos, the ex-Madrid center back. And they also have Verratti. And then their two star keepers, Navas and Donnarumma, as their, as their keepers, obviously. So they got 
a ton of talent. And uh, three days ago on Wednesday, August 11th, Lionel Messi signed it, signed the two-year deal with PSG Paris Saint-Germain, 25 mil per year. He made it official. And uh, Messi's been with Barcelona from the start of his career since 2000, so 21 years. But he didn't start with the A team until, or he didn't play for the the main team until 2004. And you know he was forced to leave Barcelona because of financial issues within the organization, and they couldn't pay him. So huge, huge issue uh, from Barcelona there. They fumbled the bag, their best player in franchise history, leaving um, because of financial issues. And now PSG is going to be very good, or they're really good now. They're stacked. So that's going to be interesting to see how he does with them. But um, he's arguably the best player ever up there with Pele and Cristiano Ronaldo. So I just wanted to mention that. And um, next, we're going to be talking about uh, the NBA offseason, Jeremy. So... Uh, first off, I want to just say Dennis Schroeder fumbled the bag, man. He declined an $84 million extension with the Lakers because he thought he was going to get more. He wanted the Supermax, and he instead signed a $5.9 million deal with the Celtics. What do you think about that? Um, I don't hate um, him uh, believing in himself. Like, Here's the thing. People are clowning on him you know, because he lost a lot of money. But it's a one-year deal, and you know what? He can go out and prove that he was worth that money and go get money. And especially in next year's free agency pool, um, where there's a lot of stars, if teams miss out on stars, he could be the next kind of option. Um, And we've seen that NBA teams are willing to overpay for players. Um, I know the Knicks gave him a much larger contract than the $5.9 million, but he still was looking for more money. Um, it is agree. And the Knicks <laughs> went with Kemba Walker. Um, so I think I think he could be good for the Celtics. Um, I've always been high on Schroeder. Uh, he was a later first-round pick. Um, he has He can shoot. He's a pretty good playmaker. He's a good scorer. Um, he's not the best defender. I think he's I think he's best as a six man um, on most teams because he he's kind of more of a ball dominant player. And when the Lakers traded for him, it just didn't make sense to me because I didn't think he fit well with the Lakers. Um, so I'm curious to see how he'll do in Dallas. I mean, not Dallas, Boston. Um. Because, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are a lot different than being on a team with LeBron, Anthony Davis. Um, so I think is I think it's good that he is going to a team that is probably going to compete for a playoff spot. Um, because he's gonna be able to kind of show off himself as a player uh, yeah i yeah i mean i think that he's going to provide uh you know a spark off of the bench for the celtics he, he would definitely be a good second unit you know six man kind of guy but also i think that he's definitely going to fit a lot better with the celtics as you mentioned and also i just wanted to mention how um Ennis Cantor went back to the Celtics. So obviously Ennis Cantor provides a lot of offense and he can rebound really well, but he's not a good defender anyways. So I'm not upset about the Blazers letting him go because, I mean, Cody Zeller, I guess, even though I wasn't high on Cody Zeller and I still am not really, I mean, he's a better defender than Cantor. But, um, 
but yeah, we'll see how Cantor does. It's just kind of funny because he went from the Blazers to the Celtics to the Blazers, now back to the Celtics. Uh, well, Cody Zeller's a good big. I think Cody Zeller's not bad. Yeah, I people were like, "What?" I mean, obviously, Blazer fans are kind of angry because they want to win a championship and they're not really moving. That's not going to move the needle, really. But All right, Cody still, Zeller, still need to trade. Still need, still need to trade CJ. Yeah. Yeah, but Cody Zeller is a good big man. He he's completely serviceable. He'll rebound. He'll put up like cup. He'll put up some decent amount of points. He's he's perfect. He's like the perfect big because he's not super expensive and he still does everything you're going to need. Um, so that adding him is not bad at all for the Blazers. Like that's not a bad move. I don't think the Blazers made any bad moves. I just think they didn't make any good moves, if that makes sense. Like any moves that are going to move the needle to make them really anything more than kind of just a middle of the pack team in the western conference yeah they still need to trade cj mccollum or nurkic for like i mentioned before sabonis or maybe even um paul george or somebody like that because uh, they need to up their defense by far um but yeah yeah they i think they just need to trade both because definitely they pay nurkic to sit on the bench hurt most of the time and he He's not a top he's a pretty good big man, but he's not he's not a top end big man that should be uh held in such high uh category, especially by the fans. The fans were love him. They love him and they treat him like he's kind of a god. Um it feels like sometimes. Um Yeah. I mean I was just gonna say the thing about Nurkic is that obviously uh, offensively, he's really good, and he's pretty good defensively as well. But the problem about Nurkic is that he cannot stay healthy, and he's always injured. And you know, when you know, when you have a guy that's you know not he- always healthy, it's just really tough. So I wouldn't really mind letting go of Nurkic either. Um, but we can hop into the next segment. So Kawhi Leonard resigned with the Clippers. Yeah, not really surprised about that. Um... I didn't really believe any of the reports that were saying he was kind of considering leaving the Clippers. I felt like he's kind of set as going to be a Clipper. You know, LA is his home. I think he's probably going to be there for the rest of his career. So not really surprised by this. And I think the Clippers are like, you know what? We made it pretty far. We're going to run it back. Whereas I think they might need to add just a tiny bit more, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean... um... They also re-signed Reggie Jackson to a two-year, two-year, twenty-two mil deal. But I, I did really like this move. Um, I like this move by the Clippers because obviously Kawhi is really good and he's a great defender. But I really thought Kawhi was going to leave. But it's going to be interesting to see how the Clippers do the next year or two because obviously Paul George is going to be back. Paul George is going to be back, and um, you know the Clippers did make it to the Western Conference Finals with Kawhi injured. But the the only reason they got there is because of Kawhi. And Paul George was inconsistent for a bit, but then he stepped it up near the end of the playoffs. But obviously, they couldn't get past the Suns. Yeah. Um, and with the Lakers adding, you know, Westbrook and Melo, and just making kind of a super team. I mean, you gotta, you have to up the bill on your team. Like, here's the thing about professional sports. You can't really ever run it back because other teams are always improving. 
so you also have to improve with the rest of everybody um like we saw it with like milwaukee needs to improve if they want to win another championship um all these teams have to improve uh because truth of the matter is is other teams when other teams are improving they're getting that much closer to you and so the margin of error is so much slimmer for you to be able to get all the way there so if they improve you have to improve with them um to kind of compete again um this is why i think you've seen teams kind of win one and then kind of falter and fail a little bit after the fact you know they can compete in the playoffs for a little bit longer, you know, but they're not really going to be that top end team anymore. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how the bucks do, but obviously they still have drew holiday and Giannis and, and uh, Middleton and they just re-signed Bobby Portis as well. But um, we'll see how, how they do. But I do, I do think that people have to look out for the warriors next year because the Clippers are going to be really good with Kawhi back. But on the other hand, you still have the Lakers, the, the Warriors and all these other teams in the West. So, yeah. Yeah, the West is West is kind of a mess. It's always been kind of a mess. I feel like we're like there's a bunch of top end teams that are competing, and then everybody else is kind of just not close um, to win, like winning the West. Whereas the East, I feel like it's been a lot more like there's a bunch of teams that could win the East because they're similar in talent but they're not necessarily as good as the top teams in the West. That's true. Okay, so a couple more people have re-signed. You know, Durant re-signed with the Nets. Yeah, Durant re-signed with the Nets. My thoughts on on this, on Durant re-signing, is that obviously I've mentioned I think super teams are overrated just because, you know, when you don't have a good core and when you're not a deep team and you don't have good chemistry, you – usually won't go that far but we'll see how the nets do with a healthy um with a healthy kd Kyrie, and harden but i mean with those three dudes as your core and you don't have good defense and you don't have like a deep team i i don't have much faith in them but at the end of the day we'll see what they can do but um you know i think that the nets could be a problem if they stay healthy but if they don't but they still don't have good defense or depth and they just have really good offense but what do you think about that jeremy um I mean, the Nets are a team that they're going to run it back, obviously. They don't necessarily have the cap space to kind of wiggle around. Right. Um, and so I wasn't surprised when Kevin Durant re-signed. Um, I have a feeling he's probably going to be on the Nets for a while. But I think they could be a problem. But the other thing is I feel like they could also be their own problem. With you injuries. Know? Yes, injuries, just having not necessarily maybe just not that good of a bench. Um, Definitely. Also, we never really saw all three of the uh, big three healthy together. Um, so I'm curious to see if they'll be able to kind of function on the court together over the course of a season. Um, because we know... Kyrie Irving's a bit of a head case. We know Kevin Durant is a bit, uh, he's a bit touchy at times with, uh, 
kind of what people comment about him. Yeah, and... he's a, he. Kevin Durant also lets people get in, in his head. You know, he's just yeah. He, he gets he gets pissed off easily, and obviously, it's not like going to the best team in the world, like the Warriors, or seventy three and nineteen. That's not going to help your reputation. And uh, you know, obviously, I did like Durant in his OKC days, but when he went to the when he went to the best team in the world, when he went to a seventy three and nine team, I just lost respect for him. I mean, you can say what you want about Kevin Durant, but the man can't win on his own. He go he he needs stars around him. You can say that about LeBron too, but. I'm just saying there's a difference because, you know, Durant always goes to the best teams, but yeah. Yeah. Another player re-signed, Luka Doncic. Now, what... I'm not surprised by that. I'm just kind of just confused by the Mavericks currently and what their goal is. Um, Luka Doncic alone is not going to get it done. At all, he's yeah. not close to getting it done by himself. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Luka Doncic and Damian Lillard are kind of in similar spots right now. They both have managers that don't know what they're doing. You look at the Mavs, and they obviously still need another piece around Doncic. Like you said, he can't get it done on his own. It's just like Lillard; he can't get he can't get it done on his own. And you see, the Mavericks have been first round playoff uh, first round playoff exits for two straight years now, and Kristaps Porzingis is not a good sidekick, and he's simply overrated. Yeah. I remember when the trade for Porzingis, everybody was like, oh my god, this is a huge trade, this is a huge deal, blah, 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 blah. The Knicks got fleeced. Turns out the Knicks did not get fleeced. Turns out the Knicks won the trade by a landslide. Um, And I haven't seen anybody own up to that fact, you know, in the media. Uh, you can tell I'm a bit, I'm a bit I biased. Still, yeah, but here's the truth, right? In the Christoph Porzingis trade, they trade away Christoph Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burks, if I remember correctly. Trey Burke, yeah. Yeah. I forget who exactly they traded, but they got rid of a bunch of cap space that allowed them to basically get Julius Randle and some other players like... Marcus Morris, who they traded Marcus Morris for a first round pick from the Clippers, and then they got quickly with that because of some other stuff. Anyway, if you go on like any Knicks page talking about the trade, there's this giant web of how the Christoph Porzingis trade basically got them all these pieces. And the pieces that the Knicks have now, because of it, outweighs so much what the Mavs got. Because they got Chris Ostrasingas, who is 7'3", and doesn't leave the three-point arc at all on offense. That's all he does. He chucks up threes. And it's not... He's not a bad three-point shooter, but he's not an elite three-point shooter. And for the amount he shoots threes, you would hope he's better at that. Um, He doesn't really rebound well, even though he's 7'3". Um, on defense, he's not really that great. Um, and this is probably because of his knee injuries, but I also think maybe he was never quite as good as people thought because I think a lot of his hype was because of his potential to be something amazing. Um, but he never lived up to that. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he just hasn't been the same since that big injury. And 
I don't think he's very good. And, you know, as I mentioned, the, the Mavericks need to do something because they can't just have Luka Doncic be their best player because they're just going to be a first-round exit again next year, most likely. And the Blazers still need to trade CJ McCollum and Nurkic to get some good defense, and they need to get another star, even though even though CJ is good offensively, they need better defense. Better defense, and then you got the Mavericks, who just haven't done anything to benefit Luka Doncic, really. Exactly. All right, so if you haven't been paying attention, uh, there is kind of a tampering scandal that came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, we had... Lonzo Ball deal with the Chicago Bulls and the Kyle Lowry deal with the Miami Heat. That's now, right. I don't really know how far into the investigation they've gone. I haven't really heard much since. But I just find it interesting that that kind of happened. Like, I don't know, tampering is kind of a new thing in the NBA. Like, I think the first, like, tampering kind of rule or whatever put in place for the first time it kind of ever got brought out was a couple years ago um and it's just kind of odd because if there was tampering i don't know necessarily what they're going to do about it are they going to force the bulls to not have Lonzo ball or the heat to not have kyle lowry or are they going to punish them with like a fine? i mean yeah i mean it's an interesting situation for sure uh, for sure, but I do think that it's obviously too late to be like, "Oh yeah, Bulls, you can't sign Lonzo anymore" because they already—it's a done deal, right? So uh, obviously they could just suspend them for a few games or find them a hundred k or something like that. But uh, it's just—it's just funny. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I just—it's just weird because you know they obviously signed them to contracts and then a couple weeks after they had signed they're like oh yeah there was tampering potentially in these deals um and it's i think this is like the first time we've ever really seen like tampering like okay yeah at this kind of a scale like i feel like we've heard like there was slight tampering by like the Lakers front office, you know, but it didn't actually lead to anything happening like with a player going there. Yeah. But... I mean, it, yeah. I was going to say, if you really want to go there, then you can make the argument that the Lakers were tampering to get Carmelo Anthony for the past year and a half, because before Carmelo Anthony signed with the Lakers, I knew it was coming. I knew Carmelo wanted to join LeBron again. I knew he wanted to go to the Lakers. I mean, you can call it a super team all you want, but Russell Westbrook is, I mean, he's probably past his prime. And the thing about Westbrook is that he's a ball-dominant guy. And as I mentioned before, I'm interested to see how the Lakers play. But, you know, they're a really old team. So they could be a super team if everyone's healthy. But if LeBron's going to be injured, you know, and Anthony Davis is off and on the court with injuries, we'll see how they do. But I just don't see Westbrook and LeBron clicking, but they could make it work. But obviously, you know, um, this is the first tampering we've seen in the NBA for, for a while. Yeah. For, for some in a while. And speaking on tampering with the Lakers, um, there was an article that came out when the Russell Westbrook trade went in, and they were talking about how, oh, LeBron and Anthony Davis sat down with Russell Westbrook a couple of weeks before the trade went down to try to, you know, figure stuff out about playing together and kind of putting their egos aside, that kind of whole thing. Um now, if that's true, I'm 
I'm no, pretty the sure Lakers that's tampering. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's, that's tampering. That, that, yeah, that's, that's definitely tampering. That's like, that's like players talking to each other after games, like LeBron talking to Melo, you know, after, Bla- after the Blazers-Lakers game, and he's like, yo, bro, Melo, come join us in L.A., bro. We need you. It's like that stuff happens all the time. But when it comes to, like, players talking to other players saying, yeah, you should join me or, you know, I wish we could play together. You know, that stuff happens all the time, but it's definitely a different conversation when a player will sit down with other players and and just try to figure things out and, and, you know, try to make a trade happen. Because if Russell Westbrook actually sat down with LeBron and AD, then that should definitely be tampering. But I'm interested to see uh, what happens there if that's true. Yeah, um, I obviously don't know what tampering rules are like, but... Um, I wonder if players are kind of allowed to communicate because obviously you can't keep players from communicating because some of them are friends, some of them train in the off season, even if they're not on the same team, you know, I wonder if it's more of a front office thing where they talk to a player prior to their, uh, allowed to be in contact with said player. I think, I wonder right. if that's kind of the rule. Um, obviously I'd have to look into the rules more, but, um, it's just kind of interesting to me that, you know, that kind of happened that before a trade even took place, they were like, yeah, you should, you know, kind of, we need to figure this out so that you can be traded here or something. Um, I, it's just a bit, it's a bit weird. Um, cause if it's that players don't, aren't involved in tampering, I feel like they might be. Because I feel like I've heard LeBron kind of got in trouble for tampering before previously. Although, I don't necessarily know if my memory is serving me correctly. But, whatever that whole thing happens. I mean, obviously we have to wait and see if anything really happens. Um, I felt like it's kind of just like left a new cycle. Like, people have completely forgot. Even It's only been, what, like a week maybe? Maybe even a couple of days. I think I think it's been a week, but that's I don't know. It's just kind of interesting that 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 it happens, you know. Yeah, definitely. All right. So NBA summer league is going on. Uh, kind of, kind of an unimportant time. Uh, if we're being honest, you know. Uh, one thing I want to kind of specify about the summer league that I think people don't understand is if a guy has a bad summer league, that does not mean he's going to be a bust. That does not mean he's going to be a bad player. And if a guy has an amazing summer league, that does not mean he's going to be a superstar or a good player. Um, it, summer league summer league is kind of good if you want to see kind of somebody's, um, I guess, kind of skill set, kind of their what they their the player's attributes. You know, if you see a guy with a really good jump shot, but he's shooting poorly, you know, like his jump route's smooth, it looks good, you know, he's shooting with confidence, but it's just off, you know, I don't think that's something to necessarily be that worried about, because a jump shot is something that you can kind of just workshop a little bit. If you see a guy and he's like, kind of just lost, you know, on the court, just not, doesn't look like he's ready at all. That might be slightly more worrisome. Uh, I just want to put that out there uh, because 
I love how whenever the summer league rolls around, there is the major freak out about, oh, no, this guy's playing so badly. Like, oh, my God, he's a bust. And then this other guy is playing so amazingly. And they're like, oh, he's going to be the next superstar. And then, you know, a couple of years down the line, that's not the case. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, people can certain certain players can do really bad in summer league and then they end up being pretty good talents in the league in the league. But this is just kind of a preview of the of the you know young upcoming talents, but and the, some of these guys that just got drafted and some other guys that are undrafted that are trying to make it still. But um, I do want to touch on the first overall pick, Cade Cunningham. He's been playing pretty good. Yesterday he hit seven threes and uh, dropped twenty four points. Yeah, I mean. We kind of expected Cade Cunningham to show out in Summer League. Like, he was really good in college. And Summer League isn't really... I mean, it's different than college. But in kind of the adverse way where I think there's a little bit... Le- it's a little bit more NBA-ish, which is kind of... There's not as much zone. The court spacing's a lot different. Um, so I think you're going to see guys like that are going to perform like... We're seeing a lot of the guys that performed well in college performing well in the summer league, um, whereas it's more of the raw guys who are ne- not necessarily having you know amazing summer leagues. Right. Yeah. I mean, some people are just still trying to prove themselves, but you know, other guys are vets in the league and they're trying to make their way back into the NBA. And some some guys are doing okay. Others really aren't. Like Kenneth Fareed and Emmanuel Moody are both in the Blazers summer league team and. With Michael Beasley. Yeah, with Michael Beasley as well. So we've seen a lot of uh, ex-NBA players trying to find their way back into the league. Um, but another guy that, I'm, that I was impressed with is Jalen Suggs. I mean, he was doing really good, and then he sprained his ankle. So hopefully yeah. he's all right. I'm just confused on how Emmanuel Moutier isn't in the NBA because he was on the Knicks for a bit, and he was our starting point guard, and he was pretty good. Um, and then he got signed away by the Nuggets, if I remember correctly, and he was their backup point guard. And he he has talent. He has a lot of talent, and he's a good playmaker. He does a lot. I don't understand necessarily why he has to fight for a spot. Um, And then you have people like Alfred Payton, who gets signed, you know, just a bit. I don't know how the NBA works. It's a bit odd to me because there's players that you saw who performed at the highest level very well, and they just don't get another opportunity sometimes. And then you have players who never really showed anything, and they get multiple chances. That's true. I mean, Evan Fournier and Lonzo Ball got these big contracts after not doing a whole bunch. And then you look at guys like Emmanuel Moutier who are still fighting their way, still trying to fight their way back into the league. and Or Isaiah Thomas, for example. I mean, what was that stat? He dropped 81 points at some sort of like tournament event or some sort of, ga- some sort of pickup game or some game. And he, he might, the Lakers might sign him. It's kind of funny to think about. But uh, Emmanuel Moutier, I do think he's better than Alfred Payton. I'm kind of surprised that Alfred Payton is you know, getting a chance over Moutier. But I do I do think that Moutier could revive his NBA career soon. Yeah, and his most recent season, which was 2019-2020, Emmanuel Moutier averaged 7.3 points, 2.1 assists, 2.3 rebounds, shooting uh, 
50% from three and 46 from the field, which is not bad for a backup point guard. Um, and that was when he was 23. I'm pretty sure he's 25. He's a 25-year-old NBA player who, in his most recent year with a bunch of games started with the Knicks, he was a 15-point-per-game player. Um, I, it's just a bit odd that he hasn't really gotten a shot. Obviously, maybe people will see his summer league performance and be like, oh, uh, we should get him. But it's just odd. It, it that That's one thing that I've kind of noticed about the NBA um, over the t- course of watching it. And it just kind of always intrigued me on why that happens. And I've never really gotten an answer. Yeah, I mean, guys come in and out of the league all the time, but we don't know the... We do not know the background details, whether these guys are head cases or they're just rude to their teammates or what happens. But yeah. obviously, obviously, some guys, some guys just, you know, fade out and don't get don't get another opportunity um, because there's new talent coming in too from the draft and stuff like that. Guys from overseas, but that happens, man. Uh, another guy that I really like though in summer league is Jalen Green. He's, he's he's he has a pure jumper. He's a playmaker. And he's a great shooter. He he can score. He's a great scorer. And uh, I think that Jalen Green will be the best player from the draft, most likely. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I think You're we got to wait a little bit to see how they actually play in the NBA. I really like Jalen Green. There was a reason why he was the number two player coming out of high school. Um, and why he was the number two player picked in the draft, because he has a lot that he can show and he can prove. Um, I like Jalen Green. I like Kate Cunningham. You know, I, this is a draft class that I really like. Yeah. Um, I felt like this was a super talented draft class. And so I'm curious to see who kind of uh, pans out. Um, I think a lot of panning out doesn't have much to do with talent as much as it does the team that they go to um, and the culture that is set. I think culture has a lot to do with things um, and how a player's coached because each person, players are people and each person kind of, they feel comfortable in certain situations. They want it to be taught a certain way, you know, tough love works with some people. It doesn't work with other people, you know, kind of that whole thing and i think if a guy is going to a situation that he's not really comfortable with the coaches aren't really you know necessarily on uh on the same page as the player when it comes to how the coaching style uh what they want to do with the team like if a guy is you know wants you know the young players to make mistakes you know on the court and kind of give them a longer leash you know Chance, they could be uh, end up being very good or they could end up being very bad because they could learn some bad habits or keep bad habits or they could kind of iron out those bad habits by because they know that it's bad and they have time to work on that in game. Um, whereas others, they might do the exact opposite where they don't get to play because they keep on making mistakes and they might iron out those mistakes to get more minutes, or they might never iron out those mistakes because they don't have as much time to develop it on the court. Um, so it's, I think 
developing is not an exact science. I don't necessarily think a bust is a bust because they're a bad player. I think a bust can be a bust because they weren't in the best situation. Um, and I think now, because we're evolving, I think we're seeing a lot less people who are busting, you know, like, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be those centers that have bad injuries or certain players that are just complete head cases. Like, for example, Greg Godin with the Blazers, he, he had a ton of potential, but he just never panned out because of injuries. And, and then you look at a guy like Darius Miles. I mean, he had all the talent in the world, but he was a head case and he was just, you know, had this mentality like I'm better than everybody. And so when, you, when you're kind of like that, sometimes you just don't pan out because you're, you're just, you know, way too cocky. And that happens in the NBA too, like a guy like Pat Beverly or something like that, you know, or other guys like that. But, you know, it really depends on where you are drafted. Exactly. Um, a guy that has been impressive in the summer league, um, from what I've seen, Sharif Cooper, he was a late second round pick or middle second round pick, kind of. Uh, I think he went 48th, which is you know, not not really where he was expected to go by some people, not really where he was probably expecting to go at all. Um, what I've seen from him mostly is that his jump shot, it's slightly changed. You can kind of tell that it's it's a lot more, it's slightly more smooth. I wouldn't say he had a bad jump shot at Auburn. He had a horrible, and I mean horrible shot selection issues at Auburn though. Uh, when it came to a three-point shot. So he's making a lot more threes now when he's in the summer league, and I think because he's taking a much better shots, and I think he kind of worked on his jump shot just a little bit um, pre-draft. Because in college, he shot like 23% um, from three-point line, which is abysmal, especially considering that college's three-point line is uh, it's shorter than what the NBA three-point line is. Um, but I think that was one of his biggest flaws was his jump shot because, and his, uh, shot selection. And I think luckily he's kind of ironed both of those out. And so I think I, I didn't know why he necessarily fell, um, because he's young and he has a lot of skill. Um, but obviously he fell and I think he has a chip on his shoulder now, especially, um, and I think if he can kind of, if he can kind of keep his, uh, shot selection, you know, being good and not forcing, uh, the issue, I think he's going to be a talented, like a really good talent in the NBA. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he has a lot of potential. Uh, he's trying to fine tune his shot and really get his rhythm but obviously, you know, there, you know, there's a lot of pressure on these guys for the summer league. They're just feeling out their game and they're trying to um, really adjust to the NBA. I mean, you look at guys like, you know, Sharif Cooper, like, <laughs> like sometimes they play good, sometimes they play bad because he airballed a three-pointer, but then he was doing good later in that game. So some of these guys have a lot of potential, but we'll see how they pan out. Yeah, and obviously the, we talked about a lot of rookies that were impressive um, in the uh, summer league, but some second-year players that have been impressive. Uh, Peyton Pritchard of the Boston Definitely. Celtics. Yeah. Um, 
obviously we knew he had skill. He's kind of shown quite a bit of range. Um, we knew he was a good ball handler. He's probably one of the best ball handlers in the league. You know, he does not turn the ball over. Um, and he's a great three-point shooter. Yeah, we've seen his jump shot. We've seen his ball handling and his uh, moves. Um, we've seen his playmaking ability um, on display. And I'm not surprised. You know, I think Summer League is kind of... I think he's too advanced for Summer League. I still think he needs to find his... He needs to find his uh, legs in the NBA just a little bit. Um, he obviously had a pretty good rookie season. Like, I don't think, you know... He was obviously in the picked in the twenties, so you're not expecting him to come out and be a star. But he gave the Celtics really good minutes um, when he played, and he was pretty good. Um, he was a pretty good pick uh, by the Celtics, and I think he's done pretty well. Um, and then you have Emmanuel quickly uh, of the New York Knicks. Obviously, he was impressive as a rookie. Um, as well, kind of like Peyton Pritchard, um, and he's just showing more of that in the summer league. So that's kind of kind of what I expected, honestly, because I feel like there's some players who they performed at the NBA level, and then obviously they go to the uh, summer league, and then they kind of show out because it's kind of like having a middle schooler going and playing elementary school ball or a high schooler playing middle school ball. It's just not necessarily equal competition. Interesting analogy there, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I felt like this summer league, there's been some people that have kind of come out of nowhere just a little bit. That's like, true. Um, Josh Christopher... He was not picked in the lottery, and he's been he showed some stuff, which I'm not surprised. Okay, he was ranked as a five star coming out of high school. He was one of the top players in his high school class. So the fact that he's kind of impressed and he's showing promise is not necessarily a surprise. I feel like this is kind of what happens in the summer league. They're like, oh, this guy's kind of showing some promise, but it's like that guy. Um, Oh, he's a later round pick, but he was like highly rated out of high school or he did pretty well in the NBA, that kind of thing. And also Miles McBride, Miles McBride. I want to talk about him. Obviously, I'm a Knicks fan, so I'm a bit biased. But the fact that he's kind of showed out, you know, he was pretty good front at uh, West Virginia. I mean, he's a good defensive player, good offensive player. Um, he's averaging 15 points, five rebounds, uh, 2.7 assists, and he's shooting 63.6 from two and 61.5 from three, which is very good. Um, he's also got a long wingspan, and he's a guard, so like he he's good. Um, I this is I don't know. I just like the summer league. Obviously, I don't want to read too much into it, like I said earlier, but. Because, you know, yeah, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, it's fun to kind of see who, who's showing what, who's not showing stuff, you know. Obviously, it doesn't necessarily matter, per se, but I think it's, it's a good way to kind of see what players have in them, you know. Like, if a guy has a smooth jump shot and he's making jump shot, that can translate. You know, if a guy, you just see him jumping out of the gym, like, 
Jonathan Kaminga, then it's kind of that's a thing where like it's they, like, show, they show little pieces of you know explosiveness and you see you see the you know how good they are yeah you can kind of tell what they have and you know i think that's kind of what the summer league is i don't think it's necessarily a you know i think the media has kind of used it to hype up certain players but yeah. i think from more of a nba watcher uh you can kind of look and see like oh yeah this guy you know, he's shown this, this guy's shown that. And, you know, I think it's a good way to look into, you know, the guys that you drafted for your team, you know, or maybe guys that, you know, you're like, oh, that guy's kind of showing out a little bit. He's showing that he can shoot a little bit. Um, Maybe he'll get a chance on a two-way deal, you know, or something like that. Yeah, I agree. Do you want to touch on anything else or do you think we're going to wrap it up for today's episode? Uh think we're done for the day um we had pretty decent episode i think you know touched a lot on the nba i think we're more of an nba focused podcast as of right now uh yeah so, i mean obviously I talked about some soccer but you're not a huge soccer dude but the nah. people so the people that do listen to this podcast listen to soccer i'm with you and i'm a big mls and you know M- mls guy and obviously messy leaving is is not this tough but uh, i like watching soccer too well, okay, MLB, get some more drama, okay? We want to talk about you more. But, you know, there's not right. that much drama going on. And college football, I think we're going to start getting more into NFL and college football. But, you know, once the preseason, we got some preseason reaction that we could talk about next week. You know, we'll have some more college football stuff because a lot of teams are having some scrimmages, you know, a little bit of, you know, camp camp has been going on for a little bit for college football season's coming up you know so i think we're gonna kind of divulge a little bit away from the nba for the time being um so if you're only listening to the nba i'm sorry about that but it's just how sports work man they go into off seasons you know and it's kind of like things kind of slow down in the news cycle but yeah that's, that's very true I hope you enjoyed our third podcast. I think we're kind of getting in the flow of this thing. Um, I think we're getting better and better each week. Um, if you're listening this far, thank you so much. Uh, if you could download on both Apple Music and Spotify, that helps a lot. Um, and we'll be back next week with another episode. One last thing. Don't forget to leave a review, but thanks for tuning in. I'm Jack alongside Jeremy, and have a good one. Yep. Peace.